Don't miss out on the latest news and events in your community. Visit StarLocalMedia.com today. Sign up for our newsletter and stay informed on all the latest stories affecting your neighborhood. And if you're a local business owner, let us help you reach your target audience with our effective advertising solutions. Visit StarLocalMedia.com and take the first step towards staying connected to your community. Today's episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast is brought to you by Poor Richard's Cafe and Star Local Media. Poor Richard's Cafe, Plano's oldest restaurant since 1973. They are open daily from 5.30 a.m. to 2.30 p.m., serving the three most important meals of the day, breakfast, lunch, and dessert. It is true Texas homestyle cooking made with love and grit at his Poor Richard's Cafe, located off of Avenue K in Plano. Welcome to another episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Welsh, being joined by Devin Hassan and Taylor Raglan. I uh, hope everybody's week is off to a good start. Um, it is Monday, and as has been the case for the last uh, couple Mondays, let's uh, let's round out our uh, our series of podcasts, breaking down our selections for a few of the awards for the varsities. Our uh, our annual high school sports awards, seventh year that we're doing this. We've um, been keeping y'all apprised throughout these past couple weeks on um, just how this all works. Um, so we're down to I guess the final three awards. Awards of this uh, this fun little summer project, including the uh, the big three awards: best team, best male athlete, and best female athlete. So, for the sake of time, we're just going to take one of those categories and bring that to the open air. Talk about some of our selections across our various markets, and um, we're going to roll with best team. We're going to talk some of the best teams that emerge from our coverage area from the 2018-19 school year. So, for this half of the podcast, we will go through Devin's two markets, Rowlett and Mesquite. Plus, we'll talk Taylor and I selections for Plano and Allen. Bring on Brian Murphy a little bit later on to talk some of his stuff, plus some of the Denton County markets as well. So, um, I don't know, Taylor, where do you want to start with this, man? Plano or Allen? Let's start with Plano. Okay, Let's awesome. start with, with uh, you know, I think we both had a couple of Plano West girls teams, um, you know, down for, mm-hmm. for best team. I think Plano West in a lot of areas, you know, I, I, I think I even wrote a column about this when I was kind of going back at, at, and looking at Plano West here. A lot of things get overshadowed by how your football team does. Yes. You know, it's hard to look at Plano West and see that 0 for 26 mark <laughs> in football and, and think, you know, anything else. But there was a lot of success to be had. And, and my team, um, you know, one that I covered, you know, throughout their season all the way to the state tournament um, is, is the Plano West volleyball team. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I've talked at length, you know, on this podcast about just kind of the nature of their season. I think that plays into it somewhat. Not only, you know, were they a state semifinalist, but, you know, the nature of, of their comeback, um, you know, how they kind of put things together. The players on that team, you know, head coach Justin Waters um, as interim head coach during, you know, last season. I think, you know, once they really started that playoff run, if it wasn't already set in stone, you know, he was coming back. But, mm-hmm. you know, it was it was still up in the air, I guess, for, for a bit. Um, you never know. But, uh, you know, just the kind of the perfect storm of, of him really taking over the team, um, you know, guiding them through that middle of the season slump and, and making it his own. Um, you know, the, the girls kind of, you know, finding their way again after, you know, I, I've talked about that before, too. During the middle of the season, not only were they losing, but they were like, they were losing. You know, I vividly remember the the first district game at Prosper. They looked lost. You know, their communication was was terrible. They they looked at odds with each other, um, and they convert all of that into a run to the state tournament. So, you know, a really good season. Um, 
you know, not a lot of Plano teams in the conversations for, for state championships this year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so the ones that do, obviously, it was a special year, and, and I'll go with, with West Volleyball for, for my best team. Because that is the thing about West. Like, even though the football program is in a bit of a rebuilding phase right now, Plano West has been for a while kind of the uh, oh, yeah. the bell cow as far as Plano ISD athletics goes, not just for a sport like, you know, mm-hmm. like volleyball and what, you know, like the basketball teams have done over the years and whatnot, but, you know, a lot of the more individual theme sports, I mean, obviously, See their tennis program is as good as, as any mm-hmm. in the state. Wrestling and, coming up. Yep, wrestling's yep. on the come up. And then this year, which was my selection for best team, you had uh, a return to prominence for the uh, the golf program, mm-hmm. specifically on the girls' side. Um, Plano West girls golf had, I mean, what would you say, Taylor? It's best season ever. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, they they'd never um, meddled at state mm-hmm. as, as far as I'm you know aware of. I, I'm pretty sure Coach Rick Hardison said that. I mean, the boys obviously with the Cootie Twins and stuff as of late have, have kind of been the focus. But yeah, I mean, this girls golf team kind of came out of nowhere this year. And yeah, I'm like 99% sure it was the best finish ever. Yeah, they took second place at state. And granted, everyone was playing catch up to Austin Westlake, which ended yeah. up winning by like 20 strokes, yep. I want to say, as they repeated the state champions. Um, but, you know, within that group, you had, you know, Ellie Roth, Michelle Zhang, Melina Barrientos, Ashley Liu, Ali Toyos. Um, Zhang finished eighth overall individually. Mm-hmm. Um, just a team that, like, there weren't the, uh, like, with playing West Volleyball, there's a nice little kind of a storybook dynamic right. with just all the ups and downs and the peaks and valleys. Mm-hmm. There really wasn't much of that with playing nope. West girls golf team. They nope. just kind of laid the weight to everybody prior to to, uh, to the uh, to the state tournament, I mean they dominated not they dominated the regionals. You know, finishing nine strokes ahead of the field, mm-hmm. they won the nine six eight tournament by almost thirty. Strokes. That wasn't even close. I was yeah. out there covering that one in person. That wasn't that was a joke. Yeah. Like it, it it's it's crazy too because talking to Coach Hardison after that event, I mean obviously with all the team sports and stuff we really kind of play catch up on mm-hmm. golf, especially yeah. around those district tournaments. And and he told me, and it was the first I'd been made aware, three transfers. I mean, and that's really what put that... Because Ellie Roth was around, and, and yeah. some of the other players were around, and, and they were always good. You know, they were a solid program, but those transfers that, that came in... transfers, very convenient. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying and they, they, they made all the difference in the world, yeah. and, and will, you know, as far as, you know, is the outlook for the future will continue to make the Oh, difference. yeah. Four of those top five yeah. golfers are back next season. The Plano West should be right back in the, uh, in the yep. state title conversation, you would assume. So, yeah, a very, very emphatic return to form for Plano West girls golf. Uh, Devin, where did you land on whether it's Rowlett or Mesquite, one of your selections for uh, for best team? Well, I'm going to start out off in the Rowlett, Sexy area, and I'm going to go with uh, Sexy Girls Basketball. Okay. Uh, maybe a tale of what might have been what could have been, mm-hmm. um, but just uh, coming off a, a trip to the state tournament, uh, all the expectation in the world, mm-hmm. and they really lived up to it for the most part. Uh, just they were state ranked for much of the year, and, and they, they backed it up. They won their fourth straight undefeated district championship. championship. Uh, Avery Krause, Kayla Demas, who played as freshmen, four-year starters, never lost a district game. I mean, how many people can go through you oh, know, yeah. a high school career That's as, special. Four, as four-year varsity players and they never lost mm-hmm. a district game? 55 games in a row. So um, they, they took care of business in 10-6A. Uh, won the first game against Plano East, a game that we talked about on the podcast we thought might be close. Yeah, it, it could was be a, a sneaky game. game. It was a blowout. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was, and then they took care of a very good Horn team. And then they uh, in the regional quarterfinals, they ran into Allen, mm-hmm. uh, kind of that team of destiny who had beat. They, they went 32-5 and five on the season. Yeah. Three of their five losses to Allen. Ah, and nuts. obviously, the, the last one was the most heartbreaking. Obviously, Saxy battled back from a deficit. Taylor, you were mm-hmm. at that game. Uh, they, I guess Avery Krause hits the shot. To it looked water. like they were going to be the ones celebrating. I mean, I think it was like 11 seconds left when Krause mm-hmm. hit, had her shot to go ahead. And it was like, oh, well, 
There's no, con I mean, you get one more possession, but that momentum swing was huge, and, and then, yeah. Yeah, then they lose on a heartbreaking putback, I guess as time expires, but, you know, still it doesn't, doesn't take away from the fact they had that yeah. outstanding season. You know, again, 32-5, and five, uh, this is a, a program that's, I mean, just, just keeps pushing the bar up, mm -hmm. you know, further and further and further, and they have a great chance to come back again next mm -hmm. year. Uh, Tia Harvey, uh, Jayla Brooks, Ed Heltak, Elizabeth Woods are all back next wow. year, so um, they got a nice nucleus to, to build around, and, um, but yeah, as far as this year goes, they, they had high expectations, and I thought they met them for the most part. They could have. They could have literally just been that Allen team. I mean, whichever team won that game, could have. You could have seen easily the same path for yeah. Saxe. Yeah. It's just one of those things where tough, tough third round yeah. matchup. It does kind of reaffirm, though, when you think of just how tough it is to get back to mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. that level from the year before. Because ironically enough, just before this podcast, we were talking about you know high school football and how you know a lot of the uh, the odds on favorites you know to uh, you know to play for a state title this year, you North Shore and Duncanville and whatnot, just because of how like experienced they are coming back, coupled mm -hmm. with how dominant they were last season. Um, but you think of a team that was kind of like I mean very similar to that Saxe team, which brought back its entire starting lineup from that team that went to the state semifinals. But yeah, I mean you just you don't know, man. There's a lot of really good teams out there, and in these uh, in, you know in these regions and it's just it's, it's tough to recapture that magic you don't know just because it happens one year it's not necessarily a guarantee that you know you're going to get back next season you just you kind of kind of make good with that opportunity when you can um, it is you know funny though that you mentioned though the uh, you know the Saxe girls basketball <laughs> team because you know my pick for best team and with uh, you know out of Allen was indeed that uh, that very same girls basketball program and with Allen it's I mean it's just really difficult to, yeah. you know, to figure out yep. you know where to where to go for best team because you can make a case for you know the wrestling team could win it every year because of you know just their their continued run of dominance the football team's been to the state semifinals seven years in a row the girls soccer team you know made it the state semifinals this year i mean it was a another banner year for allen athletics mm -hmm. um and you know kind of like the same logic that applied when i i believe i picked the boys basketball team in this same space uh you know last year and it's not just what they, you know, what like the girls basketball team accomplished, but just like when I think back on this year and Allen, um, you know, athletics, it's going to be like the memories that from covering that specific run that I think mm -hmm. resonate a bit more than the um, than the other sports. Um, you know, not just the fact that they were getting to state for the very first time and that they had their own little dream season. Um, you know, kind of like you know, as I've you know alluded to last week on the podcast and talking about how the coaching staff really helped kind of steer that mm -hmm. mid district turnaround as they were in a bit of a, a bit of a rough patch you know midway through district play but then just some of the uh, I mean the memories that they made during that playoff run you mentioned the buzzer beater against Saxe you know watching that just that epic shootout against Flukerville Hendrickson in the mm -hmm. fourth round where they took down the number two team in the state hung almost 80 points on them you know and then you know erasing a, a 15 point deficit in the second half against a prosper team that you know had already shown to be a very difficult matchup for them during district play and then I mean we haven't even mentioned this but just a one game that kind of gets lost in the shuffle I mean for you know, reason it wasn't necessarily the easiest game to watch from an aesthetic standpoint. <laughs> but their second round matchup against Tyler Lee, a game that Allen led twenty-two to twenty after three quarters, <laughs> it was just an absolute slog of a basketball game. And then Nia Green goes nuts in the fourth quarter. You know, she ends up scoring twenty-one points. I don't think uh, any player between Allen or Prosper, no other player on the court, had more than six points. It was just <laughs> that kind of game. Um, but just, it was weird to think at that point that same team that I was watching against Lee would ultimately end up going to the state semifinal. 
finals, but it was just that kind of uh, that kind of run for Allen. And yeah, just uh, the kind of stuff that that'll that'll be what resonates in just all the uh, I mean, yeah, just one of the more unique playoff runs in recent Allen uh, athletics history. Where did you land on this, Taylor? Uh, maybe I'm maybe I'm uh, you know copping out or, or taking the easy way out, but you know you you mentioned how hard it is to kind of get back year after year um, and have the same kind of success and the same kind of run. Um, not for Allen wrestling. No, <laughs> it's just it's not. And and it's you know I, I struggled with it last year, um, and I struggled with it this year. You know, sitting down and thinking about who I would pick for best team, and and I just can't. I don't think in good faith I can go away from Allen Wrestling. I mean, it's not their fault that they've won 10 consecutive state titles. They're still the best team at Allen, you know, as far as I'm concerned. It's literally a decade of nobody even touching them or coming close to unseating um, their reign of dominance. It's, it's unbelievable. Every year, it's, it's like clockwork. Um, you know, Jerry Best has, has built something out there that is just... It's, it's unparalleled across any sport. Yeah. I mean, you look at Allen, how dominant the football team has been at points. Um, you know, just some of the state's premier programs across any sport. You cannot find somebody like Allen Wrestling anywhere else. It, literally 10 years. I mean, it, it's, it's unbelievable. 10 years of state titles. So, like I said, I, I wrestle with it. I, no pun intended. <laughs> I feel like I wrestle with it every year. And, like, you know, surely Lovejoy Volleyball makes a state tournament this year. Unbelievable team. Totally dominant all the way up. Doesn't win a state title, but you know, I think something like 21 matches in a row until they lost in the state final. So that's unbelievable. You know, the Lovejoy baseball team, really, really senior heavy, really good run, lost in the third round to a good Lone Star team. So many good teams, so much talent, but I just don't think in good faith I can sit here and tell you that Allen Wrestling isn't the best team in Allen. It's it's ten years in a row of state championships. You can't it's you can't beat that. <laughs> I'm just I'm looking right now at the uh, the state wrestling results and Allen's margin because that's just the thing. It's uh, it's yeah. not just that they win; it's how they yeah. win. It's there's no parallel to it right now. They won. They beat a uh, second place was Arlington Martin. Arlington Martin, which I think has finished second quite a bit to Allen in the state. Like Arlington Martin could have their own little mini <laughs> mini dynasty right now if it wasn't for Allen. Um, they beat Arlington Martin by 103.5 points in the standings. Yeah, so and I think that that was one of their down years like the margin has been even better like this year it felt like almost a year where some people stole a couple from them but that's like all right so the gap between first and second place in the standings 103.5 points was greater than the gap between second place and 18th place jeez like that's just like that's what we're talking with right now with how <laughs> yeah. with just the level that Allen is at right now relative to the rest of the state and it's not slowing down either no. honestly i mean they could win another 10 in a row because it's just become such a machine over there and they replace year after year you know every part that graduates is immediately replaced by in most cases a freshman that's ready to go compete for a state title it's 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 unbelievable yeah it's, there's really nothing like it. <laughs> All right, so let's round out the first half of this podcast with uh, your pick for Mesquite, Devin. Who got best team out of Mesquite ISD? Well, how often does, does the uh, team of the year have a losing record? <laughs> uh, well, that's, that's what I'm going with. Yeah. Uh, the Horn football team uh, with one of the most unique seasons that you'll, yeah. you'll ever see. Uh, you know, They entered the season with all these storylines coming in. They were the defending district champions. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike Overton was one win shy of becoming Mesquite ISD's all-time leader in coaching victories and you thought okay it's gonna be tough at first because they open with back-to-back state champions Allen and Highland Park um, then they go with Cedar Hill and Arlington okay that's a murderer's row mm-hmm. in non-district play and uh, they played tough in those games but uh, they are 0-4 okay well the district starts they lose to Mesquite they lose to Rockwell 
And then they lose to Longview 50 to 3. And it wasn't just they lost to a, a Longview team that would go on to win the state championship team. Uh, you know, but 50 to 3, they weren't even on the field. Yeah. Well, conveniently, they had their bye. They basically took a week off. They didn't even practice for a week. They did team building activities. They just regrouped, recollected. Um, and came back and just, you know, they're 0-7 at this point, and they just turned it around. Mm-hmm. They win their final three uh, district games, uh, beat Rockwell Heath uh, to, to tie the record for uh, Coach Overton. He passes the next week with the win over North Mesquite, and then they close out uh, against Tyler Lee uh, to clinch that uh, fourth and final uh, playoff berth. But they weren't done. You know, and again, you, you look at those teams sometimes, and you see them, you know, two and eight, three and seven, mm-hmm. those teams, and you expect them mm-hmm. to get drubbed in the first round of the playoffs. Well, they take on a Temple team, a very good Temple team, out of 12 6 A. They win that game with a last minute touchdown, 45 to 38. Uh, they follow that up with a win over Wiley in the uh, in the area round uh, to, to reach regional semifinals, uh, where they lost to a very good Spring Westfield team, but they were competitive. They went down to the wire with that one, too. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they're the only Mesquite ISD team in any sport to advance to the regional semifinals. But it was it wasn't just the fact that they were able to do that; it was the way they went about mm-hmm. doing it. Because when you go zero and seven, and you you know their confidence was shot; they were written off by everybody. Mm-hmm. They just thought that okay, well, let's look forward to next season. Well, you know they didn't. They they banded together, uh, rallied the troops, so to speak, and uh, put together just an incredible late season run. And it was just really fun to watch because you could kind of see it at that Rockwell Heath game, that, their first win of the season in October, late October. Yeah. Um, but you, you just kind of see them grow as a team on the field that night and they just kind of parlayed that momentum into into one of the uh, into a fun run to watch mm. yeah i mean that's got to be one of the most unique seasons of any team that you've ever covered what was like if you can think back when they were like at the lowest of lows within that slump i mean did you foresee like because i know like maybe the you know if the schedule was organized a bit differently maybe those wins are scattered a bit you know scattered elsewhere but did you kind of still have an inkling of like okay you know what they can still if they can just still stem the tide they can turn this around was there ever any doubt that they'd be able to pull that off in your eyes or no not really because you know they had the talent was there you know Jermaine Gibbons was a district MVP a year ago um it it, a lot of it was the schedule Mm -hmm. I mean I think I I can't remember the exact number but um their first seven opponents at one point in the season their combined record was 61 and 6 Mm-hmm. And Jeez. I think four of those losses were by Mesquite. Yeah. Um, because it just, they just ran up against it. It was just, a, it was a heavy, you know, obviously the non district schedule. They wanted to play tough opponents, and they did. And it made them a better team down the, ra- down, down the line. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's just the way it fell. But no, I mean, I always got a sense that even when they were 0 7, I think we even talked about it on the podcast here. I said, they're going to make the playoffs. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're going to win yeah. these last three because I thought they were a better team than those final three yeah. opponents. And the way it's set up, you know, in terms of tiebreakers and whatnot, it just, it fell in their favor and um you know, again, so they took care of business in those, but then you know, the, the, the playoff run was, was something special as well. Awesome. And that is a look at, at the very least, a few of our markets on our picks for best team for the seventh annual edition of the Varsities. Um, we've got one more half of the podcast. We'll bring in Brian Murphy to talk some Frisco, Little Elm, and Salina, plus some of our best team selections out Denton County ways. And we will pick that up in just a moment after a word from this sponsor. Today's podcast is brought to you by Star Local Media. 14 newspapers and websites with a print distribution of 270,000 homes and monthly pages of 600,000 online. Star Local Media, your community voice for news. And now, let's get back to the podcast. 
Welcome back. We've got uh, Brian Murphy now slotted in for Devin Hassan as we continue to close out our discussion of, uh, of awards for uh, latest edition of the Varsities. We're talking best team selections, and Brian, with you on the uh, on the roundtable, that means we'll talk a little Frisco, Little Elm, and uh, Salinas. So let's pick one of those three markets, man. Who was your best team for one of the three markets that you cover? Let's go ahead and get Frisco out of the way. Okay. That's how tough, first off, how tough was this decision for you? I could have easily picked like eight or nine teams yeah. for you know I, I not, like I see every year though isn't it yeah oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I, like like serious strong consideration for a, like almost 10 teams mm-hmm. you know and we, we were talking just a while ago you know you're, you're trying to find out who, who I picked and you threw out some guesses you know first you know ones that come to mind you know Liberty Girls Basketball oh, yeah. Lone Star Girls Basketball Lone Star Baseball Lone Star Boys Basketball Reedy Football um, Independence Girls Soccer they made a, uh, an awesome run and, and they even beat Wakeland Girls Soccer in the district standings you know the defending state champs you know Wakeland Cross Country Girls winning state uh, and I just it, the list is just endless, you know. In every sport, there's at least you know one juggernaut that I could have picked from. But you know, I'm gonna go with the team that's that's been doing this for the entire decade, and they did it again. They came so close uh, to making it a three-peat. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's Wakeland Boys Soccer, and that's that's the class of of Frisco, and not just soccer, but in every sport. You know, that's that gold standard. You know, they've been to state four years in a row. Um, you know, like I said, they made it to state this past year. They were so close to making it three years in a row. Uh, heck, four years ago they lost in PKs, mm-hmm. and so they, they're so close to having won yeah. four consecutive state titles. Lebanon girls uh, golf, by the way, I want I got to mention them too. I, they, they were in consideration. Okay. They were leading after day one, and then they uh, finished tied for second at state. You know, just their second year. You know, really going at this thing as a as a program. Uh, but yeah, the, none of those teams can can trump what. Wakeland or boys soccer has been able to do over the years. Mm-hmm. It's just it's dominant. The, the job that Coach Andy Holt has done, you know, his, he set the bar so high. After each game in the playoffs, I, last year and then this year, I'd see him like, dude, you're setting the bar too high for yourself, man, because three years at Wakeland, three trips to state, and it's and they're going to be back again next year. There's, you know, they're bringing back a bunch of guys, mm-hmm. and they're they're going to be scary again. Um, meanwhile, like in McKinney, um, as I'll give uh, give Kendrick Johnson's selection for best team. Uh, McKinney ISD only had one team get to the uh, to the state semifinal round of the playoffs. We alluded to them last week, um, but nevertheless, uh, McKinney Boyd baseball with one of the uh, unlike you know Wakeland, which has been doing its thing for quite some mm-hmm. time. This was, um, I mean, in the time that I've been you know around the Plano Allen McKinney district, I can't recall a a team coming out of the blue and having a dream playoff run quite like this Boyd baseball team. Um, I mean, if you don't know the story of them by now, um, I mean, they basically from rounds two through five, they uh, they lost game one of all four playoff mm-hmm. series and then proceeded to then win um, elimination games. I guess what, they won eight consecutive mm-hmm. elimination games, games two and game three. They were they were basically like the undertaker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, they were just raised from the dead and then once they got rolling, man, it was, it, you really can't even find any parallel at least within, you know, at least the you know the Collin County 6A schools, like just over the years, it's even remotely comparable to what this Boyd baseball team did. Going into the playoffs, we all thought the hierarchy was Prosper, Allen, Allen yeah. Jesuit, 
Boyd. That's what I thought. That, like a team, if they were going to make a run, you know what I mean. Like no, I, I didn't think Boyd was going to get past the second round. I thought they'd be out in the yeah. I thought they'd be out in the second round. Yeah. They played Heath because Heath was you know mm-hmm. ranked number eleven in the state or something mm-hmm. like that. And they were. I mean, that's a program as you can attest, Taylor. You saw them back in your high school days. I mean, a very <laughs> yes, a I very did. formidable baseball program. Um, yeah, I figured that'd be where it ends. And then once Heath won Game One, it felt like it was just fait accompli. Mm-hmm. But yeah. little did we know. Um, and that was it's like I, I wrote a column about about this team. You know, prior to them going to the state semifinals, just because I was just so wrapped up in it, because we'd come on the podcast every Monday talking about just what the heck they just pulled off, and it just it was insane that they somehow managed to keep rinsing and repeating this formula against like the elite of the elite in Region mm-hmm. Two. They knocked off because it wasn't just the fact that they came back and won, you know, three, uh, you know, four consecutive series, but they did so against teams that were all ranked in the top fifteen of the state: Rockwall Heath in round two, Allen in round three, the Woodlands in round four. Um, crap, was it? Klein Collins that they did it to in round five? Sounds right. Yeah, one of those Klein schools. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, they were just, it was incredible, just the role that they got on. And, like, it was two completely different teams. Like, I went back through, so during those four rounds and those game ones that they lost, they were outscored in those game ones 26-6, to six, and the only time that they ever held a lead was after the top half of the first inning against mm-hmm. Allen in game one. Otherwise, they were either you know tied or they were behind. And then in games two and three, they outscored their opponents by a combined margin of 42 to 17, and they only trailed total across those eight games for two and a half innings. That shouldn't be sustainable, yeah. but it was. Like the the way that they ran through the playoffs should never work. There's should, you cannot lose game one over and over and over. It should never work, but it did. Was Boyd rolling out the same one two starters yes. each time? Yeah. And that was, they didn't change that strategy. They one didn't. Bit. No, up until the state semifinal when it became a, a one game. game. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, who knows? Yeah, if the, if the state tournament was contested. <laughs> best of three series they might have won it all who knows they just they seem to have that formula down to a science and that's where you look at some of the uh, of the players who really stepped up and contributed to that dream run I mean the biggest being a guy like Jack Hagen who mm-hmm. was you know I think he was battling injury quite a bit during the regular season didn't really pitch a whole lot until like the latter half of, uh, of district play and then he just kind of hit a groove that was just he was on such a roll in the playoffs and you know he looks like he's going to be one of the elite pitchers now heading into next year then you had a guy out of the bullpen like Dawson and Goheen, who pitched so many clutch innings for them. And then at the plate, I mean, Tyler Collins, we all know how great Tyler Collins is. He was the Offensive Player of the Year in District 9-6A. Um, just a, uh, I believe it was just a sophomore last mm-hmm. year. I mean, yeah, I he's, so. he's prime for greatness, you know, going forward. But then guys like Simon Reed, uh, Jack Brinkley, and the, you know, I was covering the Allen series, and his defense, you know, very well may have saved their playoff run in Game 2 of that series. Um, I mean, a game that they were perilously close to getting swept by Allen. Um, you know, if not for some great defense by Jack Brinkley, I mean, it really was a really special run. The, it was the kind of thing that just any team, when you say just just get into the tournament and see what happens, mm-hmm. I mean that's what you so that's what you mean when you say that. If you just can conjure up that magic to have a boy, have a run quite like what McKinney Boyd baseball pulled off. Like you said, Taylor, I don't know how repeatable that sort of thing is. I don't know if I mean, yeah, if, if we'll ever see another run quite like that. But um, it happened. It was it was cool as hell to follow. Um, so yeah, McKinney Boyd baseball, the uh, the best uh, the best team coming out of McKinney. Um, let's see. Let's talk about one of our Denton County markets, Taylor. Uh, Lake Cities. Sure. Lake I Alice. mean, uh, like our discussion for Coach of the Year, I think it really comes down to two teams for, for best team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and for my money, we talked a lot about, you know, on the on the first half of this podcast, kind of the stories that are involved with some of these yeah. teams and, and the improbable nature of what they did and how that kind of adds to 
the mystique, I guess, for lack of a better word, and that was certainly the case with Lake Dallas baseball. Um, you know, this year that was a team that was, you know, middling at best throughout district play. You know, snuck into the playoffs in a tie for the third spot um, in 8-5-A, won a play-in game, which I've talked about at length, how important that was to avoid uh, Colorado Heritage, um, who would not be denied <laughs> this postseason. Uh, so they beat Den Ryan to earn the three seed, and then all of a sudden they just they just go on a roll that you know nobody saw coming, especially, you know, you talk about Boyd running into some of those programs where it's like, okay, this is going to be the round. This is it. It's been great. It's been fun. This is awesome. But, you know, this is going to be when it ends. And I think Lake Dallas had one of those moments against Burleson Centennial. Mm-hmm. You know, Jacob Metter, TCU signee, um, the ace over there had already thrown a no-hitter in the playoffs, I think. And, and it was just like, okay, you know, Lake Dallas, you went on a really good run. This is awesome. But... You know, you're just going to kind of be outmatched a little bit and strong-armed by some talent, you know, in this round. And they weren't, you know. Mm-hmm. Cade McCollum goes out and, and outduels Metter. They end up sweeping Burleson Centennial. And, and Lubbock Monterey finally gets to him. And I think that was a, a really good Lubbock Monterey team. And, and Lake Dallas, finally, the arms just kind of faded a little bit. But, mm-hmm. you know, just the, the overall run, you know, second only, you know, obviously to our other candidate, who I'm sure you'll get to, but, um, you know, just the season they had and, and the way they put it together with the roster constructed as it was. You know, it wasn't a roster that was on paper supposed to go, you know, nearly to the state tournament or, or to a regional final, but, you know, there they were, and, and it was a, it was a fun run. It was one of those runs that was really enjoyable to follow just because you could see I don't know if it was unexpected within the locker room, but just the way that the community kind of rallied around them and reacted to it, it was it was it was one of those special runs for sure. With um, with the other team out of Lake Dallas that you know would get this nod from me, um, with the boys soccer team and what they were able to pull off, I don't know how much of like of what they accomplished last year was unexpected internally because I mean you wonder just like that was the big question heading mm-hmm. into last season was how are they going to build off what was hands down their best year ever this time last year. Yep. I'm sure we were glowing about the same stuff with them as they you know won their first. A playoff game and whatnot. So when you have that that success already kind of ingrained, what um in you know a region that lines up a bit more favorably, mm-hmm. especially in soccer. I mean, who knows if they they get back to state if they have to go through the Frisco ISD schools if they're still in region two. But nevertheless, the uh, the it was all kind of out there for them to you know potentially mm-hmm. make a pretty serious run in the playoffs. But you see just kind of the milestones that they accrued along the way, winning their first ever district championship, and then now like I mean we mentioned right back you know two weeks ago talking about best game and just how mm-hmm. close it was to uh, just to going one and done in the playoffs in that wild game against Saginaw and how they uh, they were able to kind of conjure that play till the very last second mentality and build on it with um, I mean just looking through their playoff run they turn right around in the second round and they shut out Mansfield Legacy mm-hmm. three nothing a bit more of a, a bit more kind of what you would have expected you know a, a, you know a team like that to compose themselves in the playoffs and then you saw the matchup against Arlington Heights yeah which was I mean you can talk a little bit about that that was its own it was yeah it was really own, right? it was really similar it was another game where you know it was it was looking grim at one point and then all of a sudden I believe it was Patty again who just yeah. you know all like out of nowhere within like a three minute stretch it was bam bam and all of a sudden like Dallas is on top and you can just see it, it, it had almost gotten to the point where the teams they were playing you could see the moment where you know obviously when you give up a lead like that but it, it's like it was almost expected like it's like it, it, it had that feeling of okay they're down but like, you know, it's almost when, you know, Lake Dallas boys soccer is not Allen football. I'm not making that comparison. Mm-hmm. But it's that same feeling of, you know, if Allen football goes into a half, even down 15, it's almost like, okay, but, you know, like, well, let's see what happens in the third mm-hmm. quarter. Like, it, Lake Dallas boys soccer kind of built that kind of a, an aura around itself this year as far as just, like, 
they were never out of a game ever, and it was it was fun to watch. And and you know, I've I've said you know a, a lot of words on this podcast about the way it ended and and how kind of I don't know if you want to use the word unfair, maybe that's the wrong word, but I don't know if there's a better word either for you know the weather conditions and the way that that run. It ended up coming to an end for them. It was a it was a tough one, and, and I'm sure, kind of a what might have been scenario for them. But yeah, just this the way they they handled themselves throughout that run was was really impressive. Brian, where did you land on your best team for Little Elm? It's almost been like a clean clean sweep, you know, with these varsities <laughs> with, with one team in particular. Um, you know, I, I, they had a moment for best performance with Lauren Lucas in the playoffs, uh, throwing a no hitter. Best coach, Jill Miller, and now they get best team. I mean, when you reach you know a, a, a spot in the playoffs that no other program in your school history has ever done before, mm. you know it, it's it's going to take precedence over you know these other teams. And you know, despite you know little on boys basketball having good years and little on baseball winning a playoff series and and stuff like that, but you know no one no one did what the softball team did. You know, going five rounds deep and you know having to run into the colony. You know that that big boogeyman in eight five a. You know facing them three different times. Um, this year, and if it wasn't for the colony being in that same region, they very well could have made it to state. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're that talented, um, that loaded. Uh, you have a superstar pitcher that does it all. That certainly helps, and it was a no-brainer for for Little Elm. Uh, also, forgot Little Elm girls soccer. That was actually the the second uh, one there. They had a great year. They won a, a, a playoff. Mm-hmm. Uh, game in the first round, they won the district for the first time ever. Mm-hmm. But they just didn't have that playoff success. If they would have made a run, somewhat similar to softball, uh, Little Elm Girls Soccer would have would have definitely made that interesting. They were a very very good team. They'll be very very good again next year. But uh, softball, you know, Lady Lobos, they win this. Mm-hmm. Pretty easily. You talk, um, you know, before Justin Thomas departed, I made sure to have him give us his varsity <laughs> selections, just because, hey, you know, he covered those schools all year long, and he's got the better frame of reference than any of us do to pick his uh, his selections for those awards. Um, you mentioned the boogeyman in the colony, and that was indeed the pick for uh, for the colony from Justin. Um, the colony being the only team from 85A that made it to the uh, to the state semifinals, and I mean it was just a I mean a typical colony year in softball. Yeah. Just ever since Jada Coleman stepped on uh, stepped on campus, it's kind of been the uh, the mo for that program. Um, you know they ended the they entered the end of the state tournament having won 27 consecutive games hmm. last season, and a lot of those games were just not even not even a contest. Um, I mean just it's the usual uh, just. I mean, you mentioned it, Brian. I mean, just as, as talented a lineup as you'll as you'll find in the uh, in the state. They were just from top to bottom. They were just so good. Carl, Carly Charles hit last in the in the order, <laughs> and I think she had I think she had two hits that game. Mm-hmm. One of them was a double, I want to say. And then her pitching, you know, we're not even talking about Jada Coleman, how she got on base every single time. <laughs> and next, you know, if you look up and she's at second or third after she bunted, she bunted every at bat. Reached second or third. I think she scored three runs again. Anyways, yeah. it's just they were just such a machine. You know, not even mentioning Jada Coleman. You know, Carly Charles, and they're just they were just so much better. And I even saw Forney play against against Reedy in softball in the same round. And I, I just I just think you know the Colony they just had a little slip up at state. Mm-hmm. But you know they were that was kind of surprising to me. But I didn't see a team like the Colony softball all year. Yeah, that well, was that was one of the best teams I've 
saw all across the board in any sport. Yeah, it wasn't just, you know, Jetta Coleman, who's, you know, yeah. one of the best players in the country. You know, Carly Charles, who's hands down the best pitcher in program history at the Colony. You know, J.C. Hamlin, another Division One uh, prospect. Um, and then you've got, I mean, they, they did this all without, you know, their top power hitter. And maybe one of the top power hitters in the state, Madison Hirsch. Yeah. I mean, so you think of what that could have been. Um, but then to get, you know, to get back to state for the second time in three years. Yeah, it was kind of like an oddball situation down at state. Like, I got to see that game. You know, I was covering it. And, uh, yeah, just a weird dynamic that uh, you would run up against a game that produces both their highest error total and their lowest hit total mm -hmm. of the season, all in the same game, just kind of in a very, very unsettling mix for the Colony as they ran up against a, a pretty sizzling uh, Corpus Christi Cal Allen team in its own right. But um, nevertheless, that doesn't diminish what they accomplished. And again, they've still got Jada Coleman back and still got Hamlin. They'll still be, uh, they're still going to be a pretty formidable team next season for sure. So yeah, the Colony got Justin's pick for, uh, for best team out that way. I was fascinated to see where he was going to land on his best team selection for Flower Mound, <laughs> because I mean the uh, I mean it was dubbed the uh, the year of the Jaguar, and you could say that just across all of the uh, you know the near fifty high schools that we cover, no high school had a better overall athletic share than Flower Mound. I mean just all of the. Uh, the multiple state championships and all of the accolades that that program amassed. I was basically like between volleyball and boys soccer, where Justin was going to mm -hmm. land on this. He ends up going with the boys soccer program as his pick, and that was one where if I had to just kind of put myself in Justin's head and where um, you know what would have driven him to that resolution, kind of like as I alluded to in the last part, where with Allen girls basketball, mm -hmm. just some of the memories that that team you know kind of implanted just throughout their uh, you know their dream run kind of get that same vibe from what the Flower Mound boys soccer team was able to accomplish. You know, obviously their best season ever, you know, their first ever state championship. I believe they had only been to the uh, the regional uh, the regional semifinals maybe one other time in their history. So this was, I mean, such uncharted waters for them. They um, they were coined the Cardiac Jags <laughs> by Justin throughout the uh, throughout the postseason as a, a bit of a testament to their uh, their incredible resilience. And you just have to look at the state tournament to kind of get an idea as to why that uh, that moniker was fitting. I mean, that uh, that wild semi-final against uh, Elsick where you know Flyer Mount's down 1-0 you know heading into the uh, into the second half and then there's a stretch there from the 60th minute through the 64th minute where four goals were scored oh. between Flyer Mount and, uh, and Elsick three by the Jaguars you know as they end up taking a 3-2 victory just a wild wild sequence uh, you know Joe Perryman who was a sophomore reserve you know he comes in and he's kind of the player that sparks that uh, that run and then you look at the state championship game with them winning a shootout against San Antonio Lee. It was a team that just, like, it just, the, they could not be killed. <laughs> and just the other uh, resilience that that team showed time in, time out throughout that postseason run. Um, it was really the definition of a team that was banking on a uh, senior leadership to pave the way. And as maybe about a senior heavy team as any that we've had win a state championship. 29 players on the roster, 26 of them were <laughs> seniors. So Cupboard's going to be pretty bare heading into next season. Mm -hmm. Now they do have have their, uh, their stud goalkeeper, Landon Leach, who was ironically enough named the MVP of that state championship match. He's back, but um, nevertheless, yes, a very, very memorable year for Flower Mound Boys Soccer and winning their first ever state championship. And that was Justin's pick for uh, best team at Flower Mound. So let's, uh, let's round this out with, um, I guess, the Salina Prosper Cluster, Brian. Where did you land on for best team out there? I was leaning towards Prosper Girls Basketball for quite some time, but I got to go Prosper Volleyball. Okay. You know, regional finalists versus regional finalists. Exactly. So there was no, I couldn't. It's like all right, they both made the fifth round. They both made it to this. You know, the same same distance in the playoffs. But what Prosper Volleyball did in district play 
alone, going undefeated, you know, just demolishing everyone. Uh, coming off of a season in 5A where they're the state champs, mm-hmm. target on your back going into 6A. You know, you're not just you're not just you know sneaking into 6A. You know, this is quiet team. No, you're already a known state power, and the fact that they were still able to do what they did in district play, and then they beat Plano West twice during the regular mm-hmm. season. And then they lose to them in the fifth round. And I remember we were talking. Were you at the the fifth round game? I was not at the the regional final game. I was at both of the district ones. And and there was a little portent of things to come in the second. Because the first, I I think I talked about this on the first half of the podcast. The one at Prosper in district play was not close. It was when Plano West was. And I remember in its, you texting me because I was covering yeah. a different game, and you were texting me, and you were like, "Dude, yeah. Prosper volleyball is ridiculous." And then Plano West, when Prosper came to Plano West, was actually the game I think Prosper clinched the district mm-hmm. title. But yeah. that game was, you know, five sets and like sixteen, fifteen, or, or I don't know if that's the right score, but something crazy in the last mm-hmm. in the like that one was that one was kind of more those two teams I think where they should have been. Yeah. But yeah, so Prosper Volleyball, you know, like I said, first every year in 6A. And then to do what they did in, yeah. you know, easily one of the best volleyball districts in the entire state. Mm-hmm. Says a lot. If not the best. I yeah. Mean, it's close. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, right there with the, that Flower Mound yeah. Hebron district. But yeah, so Prosper, uh, Prosper Volleyball gets the nod there over Prosper Girls Basketball. Awesome. And that'll do it for this edition of the podcast. And we will have all of the, I guess, the final part of our Varsities Awards up on the website, startlocalmedia.com, plus in our papers later on this week as we reveal our selections for best team, best male athlete, and best female athlete. And, yep, that'll wrap up this episode. Uh, Taylor, Brian, appreciate you for tagging along. Ditto to Devin Hassan. Uh, we'll be back on Thursday with another episode as we pull another entry from our ongoing summer question series. In the meantime, folks, you keep enjoying your week and we will talk to you all later. Looking to hire top talent in your community? Look no further than StarLocalJobs.com. Our platform is specifically designed to connect local employers with qualified candidates in their area. With StarLocalJobs.com, you can easily post job listings tailored to your specific needs and requirements. Our platform is user-friendly and offers a wide range of options to help you find the perfect candidate for your open position. Plus, our job matching algorithm ensures that your listing is shown to the most relevant job seekers in your area. But that's not all, StarLocalJobs.com also offers a variety of resources to help you throughout the hiring process. From candidate screening to interview tips, our team of experts is dedicated to helping you find the right fit for your company. So why wait? Join the thousands of satisfied employers who have found their ideal candidate through StarLocalJobs.com. Post your job listing today and start building your dream team.